It is Wednesday, March 3rd, 2021. This is Messiah Matters number 334 here on Wednesday morning, as is our tradition. My name is Caleb Heck. <laughs> oh, something just fell from my ceiling. <laughs> I'm roughing off. How's that remodel going, Rob? <laughs> <laughs> no, what it is. Okay, so I'm in my mother's basement, right? We know that. Anyway, I've got a, a heating vent above and to try to mute it what i do is i close it and i have this they get these magnets actually it's this thing right here right. it's like a magnet and it just fell off there <laughs> i'm glad it wasn't a ceiling tile or anything like that nice <laughs> the house is falling around me <laughs> you doing the work yourself then or are you paying no, I'm it looks like we might need to reconsider <laughs> <laughs> the, the the do it yourself the deep what do they got yeah diy diy <laughs> well what's up everybody welcome uh to show 334 we're going to talk about tradition apparently tradition uh, yeah we got a lot of we got a lot of different um, lois is in the uh is in the chat so, uh, i uh i got your um i got your text message lois we might get to it today. Probably not. Probably next week. I think that next week we'll probably talk about thing all things Passover, right? Because we've gotten a couple of... Uh, That's true. We do need to do that. Uh, we, we've gotten a couple of... We got a voicemail, and then we also got a uh, text message from Lois. Um, young Elizabeth, I got your message as well. We'll try to uh, We'll try to get to that at some point. Probably not this week. Um, and, uh, Elizabeth says, hello, y'all love, uh, and Rob on the rock, love Rob on the rock. I think it is what it's supposed to say. Okay. Um, yeah. For those who don't know, Rob has a, another, he's cheating on us. He has another YouTube channel called Rob on the rock. Uh, I'm cheating on you too, because I got another YouTube channel as well. We, we have a bunch hey, of YouTube channels. We've right. got a lot. We've got a lot to give. We got, we got a lot going around, you know? And we've got a lot to give, and as the Lord blesses us, we want to find ways to bless everybody else. We're try- my wife and I are trying to, uh, we've gone round and round trying to get our uh, space for us to uh, work in and record in, and it has been a, it's been a whole thing, but uh, hopefully the Lord is going to let these uh, these interest rates drop, and if they do then we might actually get a recording space, which would be really cool because then... That would be awesome. I have like, I have probably nine or 10 videos that I want to record, but I haven't recorded because I don't have a space to record them in. And so like, it's just, uh, yeah, it's it's annoying at this point. Anyway, okay, should we uh, jump into it? Sure. Well, I just see SBL just canceled their international meeting. Oh, so, well, that makes sense. Due to fear of the COVID, that was going to be in the UK. Well, most of the most of Europe is still shut down. My friends in Germany are like, we can't even go outside. So, man, that's crazy. Um, it is crazy. It is a crazy thing indeed. Let's see if I have my soundboard on or not. Uh, Lee has given us a super chat. You've been blessed. Can you hear that, Rob? Okay, good. I'm gonna guess. I love that. the I love the children cheering. That's yeah. awesome. I'm gonna guess that everybody else can hear it hear it as well. 
All right. Oh, hopefully they can. All right. Yeah. the the uh, <laughs> The chat room is ablaze with praise of Rob on the Rock. So good. Ablaze. I like that word. Good on you, brother. Let's uh, let's let's jump, let's jump into some some of this tradition talk. Coach, yeah, what are we talking about? Coach here? in the fight uh, wrote a comment on. Now this was on a video that we put out probably four or five years ago on the calendar, on the fixed calendar. It's called the Hillel calendar, the Jewish calendar. And what we argued in that video was that uh, the Jewish calendar came about because uh, to to standardize the uh, standardize for people in the diaspora. Basically, yes, you had people in Israel who would be able to cite the new moon and all that kind of stuff. But because of the diaspora, uh, Jews were all over the world and therefore they standardized the calendar. So everybody would be celebrating on the same day and those kind of things. Um, Coach in the fight writes in and says, hopefully you guys have learned since then, maybe as YouTubers to consider erasing or deleting old videos that tell lies. Okay. <laughs> Uh, I can feel the, the brotherly love coming through. Anyway, I, res- <laughs> I responded and I said, can you tell me what lies were stated in this video? And he wrote back and he said, Messiah matters that the fixing of the calendar was not the result of persecution. Okay. So we have to produce, we have to prove a negative. I, well, here's the thing is, is I wrote back and I said, well, yeah, can you prove that? In other words, I think what he's saying is that, no, clearly the fixing of the calendar was for because of persecution. Okay, maybe in, in a sense he's right um, in that persecution was one, one, not all, but one of the reasons that, that people were, dis- that the Jews were dispersed from Israel out around the world. So, I mean, yeah, certainly persecution probably plays into it, but that's not the, the reason was not like, oh my word, people are, are persecuting the Jews. Let's standardize the calendar. No, there was a lot more that went into it than that. So the idea that, that, that uh, our suggestion is predicated on a lie, that's not the case. The reason that the calendar was standardized and made into a tradition, essentially, was because you had people over the, all over the world. I'm in Tacoma, Washington, Rob's in Spokane, Washington. It helps for us to all be on the same calendar. And not only that, but the Hillel calendar is on. It's unbelievable the work that, that how that calendar works. It's almost, inevitably, it's almost always on the new moon. Right? I mean, it's still working almost, what, 1,800 years, 1,700 years later. Uh, it's, it's an amazing thing that happened. But the, the point is, is that no, it wasn't just, be, it wasn't like the Jews were like, oh my word, we're being persecuted. I know, let's standardize the calendar. What a ridiculous, I mean, that's just a ridiculous suggestion. Unless I'm misunderstanding coach in the fight, maybe I am, maybe I'm misunderstanding the argument here, but it just seems to me like this is a ridiculous, what's ridiculous is that he said that, uh, the video had lies, you know, don't. Here's the thing. If you disagree, that's totally fine. And I, I would say this for any YouTube channel. If you go to you know a YouTube channel that you just disagree with completely, that's totally fine. But saying things like, oh, there's lies in this video, does nothing to help anyone. You have to actually say, like, if you're going to make an argument, make a real argument. I disagree with this video because point one, point two, point three, or this was said and I believe this is wrong because. Don't say this is lies. Come on. That's no argument. Anyway, all right. So that's number one. Do you want to say anything about that? Yeah. <laughs> Caleb, Caleb why, why, when will you stop spewing lies? 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, no, I just thought it was interesting because it's like, you know, it occurred to me the, the second Maccabees, which is dated to roughly a hundred BC. Right. Is a letter from Jews in Jerusalem to Jews in Egypt. Right. Reminding them of the Maccabean victories and the, and encouraging them to keep what we call Hanukkah. And so like in first Mac or second Maccabees one eighteen, since we intend to celebrate the purification of the temple on the 25th of Keslev, we thought it necessary to notify you in order that you may also celebrate it. Okay. So why is this important? Okay. This is important because it's just a data point that we have hundred BC roughly Jews in uh, living not under persecution, right? right? 100 BC, Jews were under the Maccabean uh, or the Hasmonean dynasty, and they were in control of their own land, for better, for worse, right? This, they, it was after the Maccabean victory and before Rome came in, right? Okay. And they're writing to brothers. It says, brothers, uh, what does it say? Or at the beginning, yeah, fellow Judeans in Jerusalem to those in the, uh, and those in the land of Judea to their Judean brothers in Egypt. Greetings and true peace. That's the beginning. So this isn't a time of persecution. What you do is you have one community in Jerusalem uh, extending information to brothers who live in diaspora concerning the calendar. And say, we celebrate the 25th of Kislev. We want you to also. It's not, you guys don't, you guys need us for determining, you know, when the month begins or what day is the Sabbath or anything like that. It just says, you know, the 25th uh, for a seven day feast. I think they, they put it at this time. They were celebrating it for bigger than just one day or for eight days. I think, I think it was only seven days. I don't remember, but that's not the point. Point is it's not a time of persecution and you have communication between, between the sender right? The hub and the satellite, which is like some point out in diaspora about the calendar, about keeping a calendar in sync together. To me, that is evidence of uh, broad communication about calendar. Now, could we say it's the full Hillel, what we call what later is the Hillel or fixed calendar? I don't think it's that developed, but I think they had some way of being on the same page. Right. And it, they weren't stressed about it. Right. The places where we have the stress are like um, uh, the counting of the Omer. Yeah. Right. And yeah. that's when, when there's a dispute that gets registered because that gets recorded in the text. We know that they were disputing on what day to start counting the Omer and what, what is the date of Shavuot, for right. example. Right. <clears throat> All right. Let's move on. We got a lot to cover here. Joseph writes in, he says, and I forgot to pull this up. So let's, the text that is going to be referenced here, Jeremiah 17, 21 through 22. I'm going to pull that up. I can pull that up. Okay. He says, a friend of mine sent me Jeremiah 17, 21 through 22 as proof that the Lord does not want us to do malacha on Shabbat, specifically not carrying, which is a burden and other melachot in general. So this means like work or to like to carry something heavy. And here is what the text says. This is from Jeremiah 17, 21 and 22. Thus says the Lord, take 
care for the sake of your lives and do not bear a burden on the Sabbath day or bring it in by the gates of Jerusalem. And do not carry a burden out of your houses on the Sabbath, nor do any work, but keep the Sabbath day holy as I commanded your fathers. Okay. And uh, he says, um, how would you respond to this? I would respond that, yeah, he's right. Uh, I'm not, maybe I'm not understanding the question, but that seems uh, pretty straightforward to me. I mean, obviously the, uh, the commands by the Jews that you're not allowed to like pick up your kids or you're not allowed to carry your Bible or, uh, things like this. This is not what the text is talking about. Oh, I wonder that might be it. That might be what he's getting at is what is a burden? Like what is meant by, yeah, I mean, it's in the context of working. So, you know, don't move your furniture around on the Shabbat. Uh, don't uh, don't offer to help someone carry a piano into their house. That's what I would say. And Yeshua, you know, this is a really good place to talk about Yeshua. You know, he says, uh, you know, if if your donkey falls into a pit, you're going to help him out, right? So because the the Essenes, which which I presume is the same as the Yachad uh, in right. Qumran, they said if a man falls in a pit, you have to leave him there. Yeah. If a donkey falls in a pit, you'd leave it there because yep. it's Shabbat. See, they were so afraid. Like, it, it, they were just superstitious about everything, you know, about, oh, it's a burden. But what they don't, the context here is clearly, first and foremost, especially when we read it with Nehemiah, it has to do with people who are doing preparing for business and and, and doing things of that nature. Right. Um, but things pertaining to life and the enjoyment of, you know, of what Shabbat is, you know, Yeshua says, you know, what is it? Why do the priests get away with working on Shabbat? Like, what's that all about? Right. The point is to, to help us have a more robust concept of what is good for our souls. Why did God give us the Shabbat for our good? And for us to understand that Shabbat was made for us, not us for Shabbat. And that it's that, we understand what does it mean to sanctify the Shabbat like we're commanded to, to set it apart. It means we don't do normal things that we do, you know, to, to navigate through the world and, you know, work and, and labor and things like that. But rather we have time with other believers in the word of God and that we are refreshed in our souls by, by hearing the word of God, you know? And so, uh, yeah, I, I, there's a, there's that verse in, I, uh, in Exodus, I don't remember what chapter it is, but it's right where God gives the manna and the Shabbat in the wilderness before, while they're on their way from Egypt to Sinai, maybe chapter 15, maybe it is. And it, or X, is that right? Exodus 16, maybe. Anyway, it says, don't, no one go out from his place. Right. I've heard people tell me in the Messianic, oh, that means I have to stay home on Shabbat. Like right. you, like the commandment is to stay home. And that's that's not what that means either. Right. So I'm grateful that God in his wisdom gave us all these, all well, the entirety of the scripture so that we can study and compare scripture with scripture and and mature in our understanding of of what are the values of the kingdom of God. And how do we 
build our own lives and our own habits and our own even traditions that help us stay focused on his priorities. And there's a conversation going on in the chat room about uh, spending money on Shabbat. And first of all, there's no command in Torah not to spend money on the Shabbat. I know that's mind-blowing to many people. The command comes in, uh, I think it's Ezekiel, right? When they're setting up to, when the merchants are setting up on Shabbat to sell and, and uh, the prophet gets super upset. Well, that Nehemiah for sure. Yeah, yeah, Nehemiah for sure. And sorry, Nehemiah, that's what I meant. And uh, he says, don't do that, right? You're not allowed to do that. So th- it's inferred from from Nehemiah that you're not allowed to spend money or or buy or sell on the Shabbat. But the question was, can you? Uh, is it lawful to to spend money if you are saving a, a life? A Gentile. <laughs> no. no. If, if you're saving a life. And the answer is, of course, oh. first of all. But second of all, I don't think that there's anything wrong with carrying money on the Shabbat and taking it to your congregation and putting it in the, the offering box or, um, you know... There, in other words, it's not for gain. And I think what's being prohibited is is the idea that um, is that you're not allowed to work. And so if you're if you're exchanging money uh, to work or to buy something, this is what I have a problem with. But I've had people say to me, "Oh, well, I don't bring you know I, I don't uh, bring money uh, to give to my congregation because uh, I don't want to handle money on the Shabbat. There's nothing in the Torah ever or in any scripture that says you're not allowed to handle money on the Shabbat. It's, it's just not there. Anyway. Okay. Um, sorry, Evelyn. I said Elizabeth. I meant Evelyn. Evelyn took all, her first name off of uh, her profile and her email address, so it's been a long time since I've seen... I knew it was an E. I knew it was an E name. I apologize. My bad. Okay. Let's keep going. So this actually brings us into... Um, this actually brings us into more of the idea of tradition, right? So when we talk about uh, spending money on Shabbat, this this comes from scripture, obviously, but we're starting to move into the realm of tradition. In other words, how do we live out our halakha? How do we live out our walk unto God? I think a lot of this has to do with community. Um, okay, Alex writes in and says, thanks for tackling this. I agree that we, and this is on Colossians, by the way. So now we're going to move into the Colossians passage, Colossians 2. Um, Thanks for tackling this. I agree that we can't, and this is on a, a video we already did, but anyway, I agree that we can't ignore the antecedent verses about human philosophy, etc. However, the new moons and Sabbaths are called shadows of things to come in verse 17. Agreed, obviously. It seems that the Sabbath, etc., in view are old covenant practices. Let's stop right there. I don't like the term old covenant. What do you mean by old covenant? Does old covenant mean Old Testament? Does old covenant mean a covenant that is no longer in use? Because if that's the case, I don't, there is no old covenant. If you're talking about the Mosaic covenant, there's nothing old about the Mosaic covenant. The Abrahamic covenant came before the Mosaic covenant. So it's older, but it's obviously still an act today, right? It is the promise of the Messiah, which was fulfilled, but still obviously is extremely necessary. So the idea of old covenant, I don't like this language. Let's let's not use that language. So I'm going to assume that you are referring, that Alex is referring to the Mosaic covenant, which I would say <clears throat> is clearly still 
applicable today. So, it seems that the Sabbath, etc., in view in view are old covenant practices. By the way, okay, hang on, I want to stop again. I'm sorry, I'm all over the place. Um, the Sabbath was instituted before the Mosaic Covenant. Yes, it is the sign of the Mosaic Covenant, but the Sabbath was instituted on the sixth, uh, like after the sixth day, seventh day of creation, right? So, technically speaking, this ha- it's disassociated from the from the Mosaic Covenant in time, in terms of when the Mosaic Covenant was given. So even then, we can't say that it's attached to the quote-unquote old covenant practices. Anyway, not the practices of men, as you seem to indicate in the video. Okay, and, th- and this is because we talked about the philosophies of men, right? Which Colossians talks about. Otherwise, we'd be left to conclude that the philosophies of men from verse 8 were shadows of things to come. I'm wrestling with this myself. Perhaps I've missed something. I'd be interested in your thoughts. And I mean, this is a great question or a great comment um, because I think that there might need to be some clarification. Certainly the shadows of things to come uh, is the Sabbath and, and the new moons found within the Torah. It is a shadow of something greater, which is our, our Sabbath rest in the Messiah, eternity in uh, with the living God, in covenant relationship with the living God, etc., etc. However, uh, the... Empty philosophies and the uh, man-made traditions that I think are being implied here are certainly certainly have to do with the Torah commandments. But what I think, and I'll let Rob correct me here if I'm wrong, but what I think is going on is you have people coming into the Colo- the the community at Colossae and saying you're doing it wrong. You're not supposed to celebrate the Sabbath this way. You're not supposed to say ce- you know you have to celebrate the new moons this way. They're bringing in this man-made rigidity and saying that the Colossians are doing it wrong. And what Paul is saying, don't let anybody tell you that. You celebrate the Sabbath the way that you've been celebrating it. They're bringing in man-made tradition and they're bringing in man-made philosophy to tell you that you're doing things wrong. And that's not correct. Celebrate the Sabbath the way that you've been doing it. Celebrate the new ones the way you've been doing it. He's not saying don't celebrate the Sabbath. That's not, I don't get that. And he's not celebrating, don't, he's not saying don't, don't mark the new moons. Those are Torah commands. Clearly they are, are, the Colossians should be doing them. What he's saying is don't listen to these people who are coming in and telling you you're not doing it the way that we do it, so therefore you're, you're, it doesn't count. That's what I get out of it. Rob? Yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> yes, hit the nail <laughs> on the head. Well, I mean, it's, the pro, what's the problem in the early church? This goes back to, I know Caleb's been focused on Acts lately, Acts 15. Why did they send the letter? It's because people are going around and teaching believers, especially new believers, stuff that they shouldn't be teaching them. And it's just, it's the way James put it in the letter is that it's upsetting their souls. It's troubling their souls. Right. Like why? So new believers and Paul is, Paul is super, super vigilant and, and, to protect new believers from the nonsense of sectarianism. I mean, he, because, and he's the guy because Yeshua chose him wisely. Of course, he says, look, he understands that sectarian zeal for God can lead to violence and manipulation and trying to force things in God's name. And Paul has done a 180 and he's protecting new believers from that tendency and so it's the same reason why the, the apostolic decree got written 
and sent out? Why does it in Acts 16 where it says they received this, uh, they received the letter of the apostles and they were all, uh, it, it gave them joy. They rejoiced. Because what it does, when you hear the word of God in truth, in spirit and truth, it restores your soul. You feel joy. You feel gratitude. You are amazed at God's grace and forgiveness in Messiah. And it's your new life. Okay. There's other people who have zeal for God that don't have that message. And they're out there trying to manipulate and control. I, I think of also in Acts where Paul's leaving Ephesus, remember, and he's, he's weeping. He's like, I'm never going to see you guys again. And I know that there are wolves that are going to come in and, and teachers that are going to try to take people from the flock after their own selves. I mean, it's the same thing, whether it's, you know, over and over and over again, it's protecting Yeshua's flock from false teaching. That is the core here. And what we see specifically in this instance in Colossians is really of the same kind as Mark 7 or Matthew 15 with the hand washing. It's where you have some uh, group of teachers that have some sort of clout in their local community and they're bullies. And they're trying to, to shove, you know, push their weight around and get other people to, to feel ashamed or bad that they're not doing it, quote, the right way. And so why? Because they want them to be zealous for them, not for Yeshua. It, it's, it happens over and over and over again. The problem with a lot of in the American church is they, they don't see that. What they see is, oh, Sabbath's done away with. Food right. laws are done away with. As the starting point, they take that as a given, and then they just see it everywhere they look. You right. know. Well, if you disagree with us, make sure to comment in the comment section on this YouTube video. Tell us what you think. And uh, when will you stop publishing lies? Lies. <laughs> These <laughs> lies. Uh, don't we have a sound clip? Yeah. Uh, was it? Uh, is it George Costanza? Is it the one? No, no. It's it's this. Just remember. remember. Oh yeah. It's, it's not, not a lie. Hang on. I'm getting I, I, I pressed it twice. I'm sorry. We have two we have two sound clips on this. Hang on just a sec. Here's the first one. Just remember. It's not a lie if you believe it. And then we also have this one. The lie detector test determined that was a lie. <laughs> ah, the soundboard. Okay. So um <laughs> we yeah. Uh, so yeah, you don't forget to subscribe to this YouTube channel and that way you can see all of the videos that come out. Um, but let's go to some of the comments that, uh, are going on in the chat room. First of all, can you clarify what Exodus 35, three says in regards to lighting a fire on the Sabbath? I love the Sabbath and love that I get to rest and trust the father to govern the world. I think that, uh, the lighting of the fire has to do with cooking, but the, uh, and ultimately, do I think it's wrong to light a match or to light a uh, lighter? I don't personally think that that's wrong. I'm not going to light my bar. I'm not going to gather the charcoal and, and set up my barbecue and get ready to, uh, you know, have a barbecue. I won't light a barbecue on, on Shabbat. But turning on lights, lighting a candle, those kind of things, I don't have a problem with that. Going out, uh, picking up sticks to try to, uh, to light a fire, that I have a problem with. Um, so that's what I think. Okay. And then also, um, okay, uh, let's keep going with our discussion on Colossians. And the reason why is because we got this lovely sound clip from our, um, from our comment line, which you, by the way, 
can call anytime and leave a message for us. You too can do can call the comment line 253-465-3205. It's 253-465-3205. And this is what came in. All right, I have a question concerning Colossians 2.16. So I heard a sermon, and they get to Colossians 2.16, and they this is common church-based um, uh, theology. They really go into a lot of detail, and I was wondering where, where they get this. So I'm working on an ESV here, and I'm looking at the commentary on verse uh, 16. This is the ESV study Bible. And, and they get into this background of what was going on in Colossae. And I'm just wondering, is any of this legit? In fact, in this ESV study Bible, they go into they, they go into quite a bit of detail in the beginning to explain the book. And they and they have to they have to enter special circumstances. And they use a lot of things to like saying like this teaching appears to be based on, or it appears there was a philosophy. So, what what I'm hearing, I guess the essence of my question is, it, it, one way to say it is, there's so much taken from uh, context or proposed context that the scripture is just like drowned in there in in the 16. Okay, this is a great. Oh, first, can I say something? First of all, <laughs> thank you for this awesome voicemail. I don't know who does. Did he leave a name? He did not. Okay, who are? Just let us know who you are. That was awesome. What I loved, I love that. Is this legit? I love that question. But then it's like he's flipping through. Yeah, you're looking at it. Like, I love it. He's like flip, flip. Okay, this is so good. I just want to say praise God. This is awesome. You know, because this is what. This is this is like our sweet spot, right? right. We got to be. It's like we're not going to be angry at the ESV guys, but you know, we're thankful for translators. We know it's a hard, an enviable seat to be in. On you know, and 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 we understand. We you know if we got to take we got to assume that these are believers trying to get good information to the flock. Okay, now. But we got to do our duty. And this guy's doing his duty. He's saying, is this legit? Well, he's flipping, right? He's flipping through, looking at the comments, saying, why are they not uh, being clear about this? I I preached on this uh, last weekend, actually. Let's hear it. Preach it. Because I'm going through what we just started Colossians last week. And actually, the audio is not up yet, but I think probably in the next... A day or two, you'll be able to listen to that sermon. Did on you? Are Alive you looking at the same study Bible that he's looking at? I didn't look ESV? at the ESV. I looked at probably. Okay. I have twenty commentaries that I uh, currently have. That I. That's that's five too many, Caleb. You're, you're actually right. <laughs> it's there's no doubt about it. But no, here's I'm, the thing: is that I started looking through accordance, and I was like, "What do I have? What do I have? What do I have?" And uh, I started opening up all these commentaries. It was like. It was like opening a present on on Christmas morning, even though I don't celebrate Christmas. Uh, and because it was like you open this commentary, and it's like, yes, N.T. Wright did this one. You know, so anyway, um, uh, so I do have way too many commentaries and it is, it is hard to uh, consult all of them because it just takes too long. But the point is, is that they all come to generally the same conclusion, which is that Colossians was written. Uh, for for a reason. In other words, Paul and Timothy are said to be the authors. Uh, Epaphras goes, we think, probably to Rome to visit Timothy or uh, Paul while he's in prison, the first imprisonment in, in Rome. 
Um, and he relates the, the faith of the Colossians, but says something is wrong. Paul and Timothy then sit down and they decide to write this letter uh, to the community. And we get this from for various we get this idea for various different reasons. First of all, uh, Paul addresses the the uh, the Colossians and he says that Epaphras has, has given this great report, blah blah blah. And then he actually kind of backs Epaphras. He says, you know, he's a beloved brother in the faith. He's he's steadfast. All these different things, right? And so it's almost like he's he's saying, if you disagree with Epaphras, you disagree with us, and you disagree with the gospel that has been given. This is kind of the tone that he sets up. And then he goes into multiple different things. He talks, he, there's three main, well, actually, there's four main topics, basically, that he hits. I think, and and ultimately, the commentators say, uh, the nature of the letter and the reason that they're writing this is because they're actually addressing something that's happening. People are coming up, people have come into the community, they are disagreeing with Epaphras, they're giving him problems, and so Paul and Timothy say... That's it. We're going to address this for you. We're going to say that you're right. We're going to back you. And this will basically send the naysayers out. So what are the two? I think that there are two main things that are written. I think that this hypothesis is correct. But ultimately, you can't say that hands down. We don't have, you know, the 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 introduction to Colossians doesn't say, I, Paul, and my friend Timothy are writing to you because of the dissent that has come into the congregation, and we're going to tell you why you're wrong, and, uh, you know, we back Epaphras. That doesn't happen. So everything beyond the point of Paul and Timothy wrote a letter is hypothesis. And this is why the the commentators say things like, it seems or, you know, we believe or things like that because there's no hard and fast writing on it. So um, with that said, what are, what are the two major themes of Colossians? Number one is the overwhelming centrality of Christ. The overwhelming uh, authority, lordship, and supremacy of Yeshua. That's number one. He starts with that. He so I think personally I think what was going on from the from chapter one we get the idea that the Colossians were uh, believed that Yeshua was the Messiah believed that he had died and risen but I think that there might have been some dissent on who Yeshua was in terms of Godhead I think uh, I think that uh, the book of Colossians is trinitarian by nature and it's written that way in other words. You are wrong on the deity of Christ, and I'm going to show you why. And so he starts that right after the exhortation to the to the Colossians in one fifteen. Um, but then the other is that I think the group or the person or whoever it may have been who is bringing dissent to the Colossians, I think that's addressed in two. In chapter two, he starts to go into empty philosophies that have entered and uh, tradition of men, essentially, that has come into the community. And this is why he's writing. And we see this in two. And then in three, he gets more into community, uh, to community living. And then uh, Colossians is the first book that we have that has what is called the family rule, where he talks about how families should, should walk out their faith outside of the community. Um, so those are really the four kind of topics, but I think the two main are uh, the deity of the Messiah is number one, and number two is uh, man-made tradition. Rob? That sounds fine to me. 
<laughs> I don't, you know. Uh, yeah, I mean, so, but to, to uh, this email's point, or this person's point on the message, that's why you have, um, it seems like in your commentaries, or we believe, or things like that. Now, w- to be able to study this out more and come to your own conclusion, uh, what would uh, what you could do is you could look at various common commentators, see what they believe the why they believe first of all why they believe there was a dispute at Colossae, and two what they believe that dispute is. So that would be the first order of business that you would do to look and see what the you know what what might be going on, and then read the context of the letter, read the letter through understand some of the uh, of the nuances. So for instance, one of the things that I never realized until I really started digging deep is that uh, Colossians 1, 15 through 20 is said by almost every scholar that, I, that I've read to say that that's actually not written by Paul and Timothy. It's a well-known hymn that was liturgy within the uh, first century communities. So then you have to uh, assume, then you have to say, okay, well, what if that's true and read it that way? Then you have to look at it and say, what if that's not true and read it as if Paul and Timothy wrote it? And so then you have, uh, you know, you're starting to see how they're putting, if it is a hymn, you're starting to see how they've put it in context, what context they're putting it in, how they're using it, um, where all of the thought patterns come from in the hymn, all these kind of things. So there's a lot that goes into it, and uh, it really is a very fun study. But and I don't understand how anyone can deny the deity of the Messiah after studying in 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 all earnesty studying the uh, the text of Colossians. I just don't understand. I I don't think that it's plausible. That, that uh, I think that basically you have to get a, do away with Paul to say that that uh, Yeshua is not Yodhevave. I think it's very clear. Anything else on that? <laughs> Sounds good. All right. If you disagree, leave us a comment. Um, Caleb's commentary on Colossians coming out shortly. Yeah, I actually hope that. Uh, uh, so I am actually writing as I go, and uh, hopefully it'll be done by the end of 2021. All right. Uh, Evelyn Young writes in. She says, "When I read that the definition of legalism is strict adherence to the law, I couldn't see how that was a bad thing. However, the term legalism is used." in such a a derogatory fashion in the church. I wonder why that is. If everyone strictly adhered to to God's law, to its loving core, it's Yeshua, Yeshua, correct? Wouldn't Yeshua be the legalist we all should ascribe to? She goes on. I'm going to stop right there. Um, The reason that uh, people are against legalism is because that is only one definition of legalism, strict adherence to the law. What everyone is actually opposed to, and I got into a uh, discussion with, uh, oh, I forget some messianic about it's this. A, okay, we should also say legalism is a an, an imported term, right? There's no word legalism right. in the Bible. Although right. I think, like, the, is it the complete Jewish, the Stearns New Testament and stuff right. like that? He gets into, yeah, it, he tries to use this word legalism. But anyway, go ahead. Well, anyway, one of the uh, one of the terms and, and the term that so many people actually are against is legalism as trying to gain salvation through works. That's what uh, that's what people fight against. In now, 
in uh, dictionaries, and I've looked at a lot of dictionaries because of this uh, very argument, there are dictionaries that say it's just strict adherence to the law. And in that case, uh, legal, legalism would not be a bad thing. However, uh, if you look in some, some dictionaries list it as uh, attempting to gain salvation through works or the belief that you can gain your uh, right standing with God through works. And I, I found I found it. Can I ahead. interject? Absolutely. In the because uh, I have I have the digital version of the complete Jewish Bible, and I just googled legalism. Not googled, you know what I mean. <laughs> I searched, searched it. Like Romans six fourteen, for sin will not have authority over you because you are not under legalism but under grace. Wrong. Uh, I'm just <clears throat> like what. Yeah, why would you translate um, it like that anyway? No, the idea, because under legalism now, it's not under the curse of the Torah. Right. Right? If if I've totally, he's totally changed the meaning. This is, I'm not a fan of the CJB. Just if anybody wondered, <laughs> I don't know if we talked about that before. You are not under legalism? No. What we are redeemed from is the curse of the, curse of the law. Right. That, that the wages of sin is death, and we all have a sin problem, which means the wrath of God is on sinners. That's just it. Our redemption is through Messiah who purchased us by his blood, and we are delivered from that God's wrath. That's Romans 1. This, bring in this idea of legalism. Oh, this shows bias. Remember we talked about this last last week? Ultimately, the idea of, or two weeks ago, ultimately the idea is that, um, you know, he wants to implant into your mind a theology that he has. the The problem is, is that the theology that he has is incorrect. That that's not right. Now, it might be right to say under the penalty of the law, or under the condemnation of the law, or under the the curse of the law, but that's not in the text. So, a good translator isn't going to put it on in any way. Uh, you know, we need pastors and teachers and people who are uh, ready to handle the word to be able to expound and say, look, in the context, this means under the, the, the condemnation of the law. But it shouldn't be in our text. And you shouldn't change words to legalism that, that say under law. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a problem term. But so the idea is, is it true that there's, there is a religion that says, you know, if you do all these things just right, then, then God will show up and accept, you'll be acceptable to God. Right. I think that's Mormonism. I think Mormonism is that way. Yeah. Um, I mean, we could, we could argue that uh, certain parts of Catholicism is that way, right? In other words, mm -hmm. God gives you enough grace through, um, through the sacraments. And then you have to like, you, you go below the grace and now you have to pull yourself up by the bootstraps to get back up to the grace that, uh, you know, the even playing field. So you have that in Catholicism. I think you, honestly, I think you have that in, uh, in the Torah movement. Yeah. in the, in the Jewish world in the first century, certainly. And, and in the Torah movement today. Yeah. Oh boy. How you would not believe the amount of emails that I've gotten that say, if, if the Christians don't keep the Sabbath, they're not saved. That's called legalism. That or is, if legalism. you're not learning, <clears throat> if you're not learning the Bible from a Jewish rabbi. Yeah. Then, then, then. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, those guys, okay, those are guys who have drunk the Kool-Aid, and it's not the gospel Kool-Aid. Right. They've drunk, they've drunk a false teacher's Kool-Aid, and that's the same thing. Back to Colossians, back to, you know, 
the the apostolic decree back to Matthew 15, you know, there's yeah. a lot of, there's a lot of different Kool-Aids out there. Just drink the right Kool-Aid, you know? So Mr. C <laughs> says it best. He says, I believe much of the Western church considers legalism, quote, legalism as having to follow the Torah and to do so takes away freedom. It's rebellion in my mind. Okay. So Mr. C is absolutely right here. And and we see this even in Evelyn's uh, comment, right? So Evelyn, and I, I'm, this is not any anything against Evelyn's comment because she's absolutely right. Basically, what the way that I think this might have happened is <clears throat> Evelyn opened up a dictionary and looked up legalism or something to that effect. And probably the definition that, that is, is listed is adherence to the law. Um, so I think a lot of Christians have that in their mind. Well, if that is if that is our definition of legalism, then definition then according to that definition, there is nothing wrong with legalism. In fact, if that's the definition, then the Bible teaches legalism. However, if we're going to define legalism the way that I think many Christians do, which is believing that you be gain some or any right standing with God by doing works, then we should condemn legalism outright because we don't gain anything we don't gain god's favor by doing good works god gives us favor and then we have good works i looked up in rabbi google yeah legalism it says noun legalism legalisms plural excessive adherence to law or formula and then it has a sub definition for theology dependence on moral law rather than on personal religious faith Dependence, so, though, whether that yeah. word dependence, what does that mean? Dependence for what? Depending on, on, uh, you know, depending on works for salvation. Clearly, the Bible is against this. Okay, would this be Caleb? Would this be legalist? Let's say someone comes to you, and they they did something bad, like they they bru- you know, they broke, you know, heaven forbid, they were unfaithful to their spouse or something like this, right? And they're like, I've, there's no way I could be forgiven. Right. Uh, uh, I, I, broke, I broke this commandment. I did it knowingly, let's say. And, you know, there's no forgiveness for me because it's, it's awful. Okay. If a person came to me saying that, I might think, okay, you're being a legalist. You're failing to understand if, you know, have you repented, et cetera, right? Are you doing your best to restore relationships to, to the best of your ability? Are you in a some sort of men's group or women's group or something that a, a believers, brothers or sisters that will help you, you know, grow from where you're at, you know, et cetera, et cetera, all the basics. Does your life demonstrate repentance? And then maybe, you know, of course, there could be consequences that are very real and painful associated with that. But if a person still was in this cycle, oh, you know, beating themselves up, I'm, you know, God hates me now, I'm never, then that person, I would say that would be legalist, right? In a way, they're, they're, they're condemning themselves based off their, their, what they believe about God. Right. And, and um, we got to watch out for that because now, of course, adultery, um, you know, covetousness, 
theft, you know, all, all the things, all the commandments are, um, all of God's commandments define for us what is sin and where, where is blessing, where is the way to walk. Right. But there's only been one perfect human. Right. And, and so, and in him we have forgiveness. So that does, this is not a license. Paul says, does that mean, therefore, we have license to sin? No, heaven forbid. But we, we have to mature and understand. God wants us to use our brains and our minds and our heads <laughs> to, to mature and to come into a, 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 a walk that is, uh, you know, that we've been equipped by good instruction in the word that we see that we walk by faith and not by sight and that we appreciate more and more accurately, you know, what Yeshua has done for us. And, and, uh, anyway. Okay. We have a couple of comments here in the, uh, so Fabio asks, uh, is there a good commentary in Colossians from a Messianic Jewish point of view? No, there's not that I'm aware of. Caleb Hake's got one coming out. <laughs> Um, but then, uh, he says, okay, anyone you would recommend, yeah, I would tell you avoid Stern. I'll yeah. tell you that <laughs> there's, uh, there's a couple I would recommend actually, actually, there's a lot I would recommend. First of all, if you have any within a series, uh, a good series like IVP or Hermeneia or anything like that, chances are you're going to, you might not agree with them and they might not be right all the time, but they're going to put in the work. They're going to put it'll in. They'll be thorough. Yeah. They will I mean, be thorough it, and they're going to put in the work. Like, Real rigorous. New Interpreter's Bible new, of, of the New Testament. Andrew T. Lincoln is excellent. F.F. Uh, F. Bruce, the N-I-C-N-T, 18 volumes. Uh, that's on Colossians. F.F. F. Bruce is amazing. Uh, David Pau, P-A-O. Uh, he's in Zondervan Exegetical Commentary. Excellent as well. Um, there's some who are real heavy on the Greek. Uh, loss. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. He's actually, that's actually uh, translated. It's, and I don't know what from language. That's in Hermeneia uh, New Testament 21 volumes. Edward spelled E D U A R D. Anchor Bible Commentary, Marcus Barth and Helmut Blanc. I actually am not a huge fan of that one, although they are thorough. My favorites, though, are Robert Wall. He does, uh, he did Acts as well. I've used his commentary as, as, like my go-to, he's easy to read and he's thorough and he's really, really well done. N.T. Wright did one in Tyndale Commentary, also very good. However, I don't use it as my as one of my mains. And then uh, Peter O'Brien in New Bible Commentary is is one of the standards. Every single person I have ever uh, read pretty much references his, uh, and for good reason. He's very thorough and uh, yeah, it's it's well worth. And that's just, I mean, I have, I don't know, probably, um, 10 others. You know, I think that MacArthur is probably one of the best lecturers I've heard. However, I'm not a big fan of his commentary. Um, so, uh, I, I tend to stay away from his commentary only because I just don't think it's that great. Um, but with that said, he, he has some great lectures. So, uh, take it or leave it. Um, anyway, and they're all going to have something that you're going to disagree with. No commentator is going to be like, oh, yes, perfect. Um, but at the same time, you that's kind of the work that we do as uh, as believers trying to find uh, 
the truth is we have to, we're like investigators, right? We sit down with the word of God. We, we drink in the word of God. We love the word of God. And then we attempt to understand it. And the way that we do that is by looking at all of the, uh, all of the suggestions and coming to an understanding. Um, yeah, and back, back to the, the great call on that point where he's like flipping through it. Is this legit, you know, interacting with these ideas? So the question is where we all come to this point, are we just, what do we do when we're in that situation? Well, right. it's like climbing a mountain. It's like, okay, you know, are you equipped for what, are you going to stay at camp where you're at? Or, or are you going, wow, I need to, I need to ascend this, this, uh, little I don't know. I don't. I don't know my uh, mountain climbing terminology. Ascend this little peak here and come to an ownership of what, of of what, is here for me. What does the Lord have here for me? And then, am I going to chew it out and discern it and get the the gold nuggets and the rubies and the gems and the silver out of it? And then, that's going to be part now of my, of equipment of my gear of my my armor of God, of my person, you know, that he's making me to be. And, uh, you know, we always grow, we, we always grow when we're chewing on the word of God. But it's at these places where we have, you know, people selling their wares, you know what I mean? Like, oh, you know, here, this is, you need to say the name of God this way or, you know, and it's just a discernment game, right? How bad do you want it, right? How bad do we want to grow in God's word because it's, it, like Yeshua says, you know, he's, he's a guy who finds a treasure in the field. It goes and sells everything he has because he wants that field. And that's, that's what it takes. Ultimately you got, you got two kinds of people out there right now. Uh, there's many more than that, of course, but there's the two main kinds of people and the Torah movement, has my kind and the other kind, <laughs> no. the Torah movement has fallen to one of, to one of these. There are people who have ideas, they haven't put in really very much hard work. The work, the hard work that they think that they've put in has been researching things online, um, listening to various YouTube videos and stuff like that. That's not actually the hard work. Um, the hard work that that's is passive, right? Yeah, that's yeah, passive. Yeah. And, and the hard work that's, that's really done is work that is legitimately hard. And so when you pick up some of these commentaries of these guys, these guys have spent you know, six to eight years in call, you know, in school trying to get to a place where they can understand and, and exegete the text through the original languages. They have wrestled with all sorts of different points of view and different commentaries. And uh, they, they've taken all this knowledge and they've sat down and they've, and they've tried to put it together and they've really wrestled with the text. That doesn't mean that they're right. But what they're going to do is they're going to take the knowledge that they've received from different uh, points of view and they're going to try to tell you why they think something is wrong or right. This is hard work that's done. And if you have, you know, 10 people who have done really hard work, you're getting a, a very clear view of what the experts say. And sometimes these guys go on YouTube or sometimes they go and they'll, you know, they write in their blogs and whatnot. But a lot of the time, the real work is done in these commentaries and they're expensive and it costs money to get them and it costs money to, to pour over them. Um, but then you got people who haven't done any hard work. What they've done is they've spent a year sifting through what we call the trash heap. They uh, they look online at these obscure, uh, you know, blogs from people who have no education, haven't done any hard work in the languages, and have just come up with their own personal opinion. Couldn't tell you what the the uh, why the scholars are wrong on something except for something that they've pulled out of their head. 
And so these people, while they think that they're doing really hard work, what they're actually doing is they're just compiling nonsense. And this is really where the Torah movement has gone awry. And ultimately, what uh, the job of a believer is to study the Bible is to take people that you disagree with, people in the Christian realm and whatnot, put, you know, take multiple different viewpoints, look at them and say, this is why I think they're wrong. And not to be arrogant against them. I mean, as hard as that is. And that ultimately is the job, not just of people in the Torah movement, that's the job of people in Christianity as well. And one of the reasons that the Christian church, as a, a broad, a really broad term, you know, overarching Christian church today, quote unquote, uh, has uh, some major issues is because people think that they can go on Sundays, they can sit down, they can listen to a sermon for a half an hour, come out and be good. You know, the Puritans never thought that. The Puritans never thought that. Neither did what the did reformers. the Puritans think? The Puritans uh, often, I heard a lecture yesterday, Somebody, a teacher for Ligonier said it was uh, not uncommon for people to listen to a six to seven hour lecture or sermon on the word of God. And the reason why is because they had never had the word of God. And now all of a sudden it was available to them and people were preaching on it and they were they were absolutely thirsty and just loved it. Now you contrast that to the people who who uh, go to church on on Sundays and only listen to a sermon for a half an hour, or even people in the Torah movement who don't really care about the quality of what they're getting, and they think that their online uh, YouTube videos. And I know that we're on YouTube, but we're uh, attempting to push people towards uh, you know doing some hard work themselves. This is why you can sign up for classes at Torah Resource Institute right now. <laughs> here's the problem. We have the solution. Yeah. No, but here's, but the, it's true that the reason we are doing what we're doing is because we, in a way, we're, we're advocates for super vitamin protein boosts in the, yeah. in the church, in the, in the body Messiah. Um, you know, we need more people who have basic skill in the original languages. We need more people who have a good sense of history, of chronology, of, of Bible history and and church history and Jewish history, um, because it's people who have a sound grasp on these fundamentals are going to easily bat away all, you know, the arrows and the, the false things, you know, because we need that same equipment, whatever Paul was trying to encourage uh, the people at Colossa or uh, in Galatia or in Rome or, you know, whatever, whoever James was trying to encourage in his epistle or Peter, right? We need, we still today need that same encouragement and, and strengthening and edification. I like it. Is it in first Corinthians where Paul hits the ground? He's like, look, I pray for you that God gives you the fullness of wisdom and knowledge of the truth. Right. Why? Because that's our top priority. If we're if we're running around in the world and we don't have a strong grasp of who we are in Messiah and what He's done for us, then I'm not a fully equipped warrior, right? I'm not I'm not ready to stand and uh, be a good teacher to others, you know, to be able to articulate clearly. And this it doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen in a year. It happens over the long the long run. You know, this right. is it. We all, we don't arrive. We continue to, to move forward, move forward, move forward. And, uh, you know, we, we are sure of the victory. So it's not like we're getting anxious or 
worried or anything like that. I mean, we can maybe sometimes fall prey to that, but we got to just remember like, look, Yeshua already has secured the victory. We know the end. And, but yet we have the privilege of laboring in this world for his kingdom and, and being part of that blessing and being part of that, that growth. So, right. Yeah. Um, next week we're going to talk about, uh, Passover. So if you have, uh, it's on the way, man, if you have questions about Passover, go ahead and send them in. You can uh, call our comment line 253-465-3205. It's 253-465-3205. We don't answer that phone. All that happens is you get a uh, message machine and you leave your message. Tell us how much you love us, hate us, disagree, agree. doesn't matter. Say whatever you want. And we listen if, to- if, if we've tell us specifically, if you think we're lying, what are the specific lies? <laughs> yes, exactly. You can also shoot us email, chegg at resource.com. It's chegg at torresource.com, C-H-E-G-G. And then also you can leave comments in the comment section of this video. Um, you can sign up for classes if you want to learn original languages and all that kind of stuff at torresource.com. Uh, spring quarter is available right now. And of course, don't forget to subscribe and uh, like this video. Subscribe to this YouTube channel. I know it doesn't seem like it does anything, but it really does. It helps us out a whole ton. So go ahead and subscribe. And uh, yeah, we are uh, we're gonna look at Passover next week. So make sure to uh, make sure to send in your Passover questions, and we would be happy to uh, look at them. All right. We hope that this conversation has done at least one thing, and that is to glorify our great God and Savior Yeshua the Messiah. You know why? Because Messiah matters. <laughs> <laughs>